everyone. Welcome to the Mission Daily. I'm Chad Grills. I'm joined by Stephanie Postles. And today we are covering the three habits that help accelerate learning and create opportunities. Hi, everyone. Who is ready to dive into reading, writing, and speaking? Those three habits. I'm excited. Me. <laughs> Me too. Let's do it. So these are three habits we talked about before. They influence each other. It's kind of like a flywheel where you start spinning it, you start doing these three, and they help every area of your life. They help you do more, become more. And in my own personal experience, if I do these things, if I really practice them, if I focus in on making the time that I'm doing them well spent, I feel better. I feel way, way better. In fact, uh, I think this is a, if you want to reduce anxiety, you can do so anytime by just doing more of these three things throughout your day. I agree. And if anyone knows Chad, they know he gets a little uh, cranky if he doesn't get to read. Yeah. What's the the hangry? Like, uh, I, I don't know. It's, we need to make up our own term. We, yeah, we definitely need need that term. So in talking about these habits today, I thought it would be fun to dive into the best of what we're kind of doing in that area. So what are we actually like reading? What are you actually writing or practicing writing? And how are you practicing becoming a better speaker? Kind of just break in those, those three uh like, yeah, let's do dive it. Dive in those three ways. I can start with the book that I stole from you. Yeah. Do you, do you know which it. one it is? Yeah. I want to hear, yeah, catch me up on what you're reading. Okay. So, so um, earlier today, I was walking out in the studio and I was just kind of looking through your book pile, which for anyone who hasn't seen, it's really huge. And we just have books all around the studio. We'll have to do a video event showing all your books. It's pretty funny. But whenever I want one to read, I just kind of go and like peruse around and look at all the titles. And it's kind of like my own little library where you've just curated it for me. And I guess to just pick whatever <laughs> I feel like getting. So I found um, a book called The Outsider. Oh, yeah. The Outsiders. Oh, The Outsiders. Yeah. Okay. And that one I picked because it was basically about, um, well, it's, I'm not that far in. It's good so far. I'm still in the beginning. But it's about kind of like unknown CEOs and what Capital allocation. Them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because what, that's what everybody wants to hear about on uh I thought it Friday. sounded cool. Happy I mean, Friday, everyone. By the way, it's Friday uh, right now for yay. everybody that's listening. And, Friday. Uh, <laughs> okay, that's lame. Um, but yeah, so that one seemed cool because it was basically going for the unconventional CEOs. And yeah. he starts off the book by being like, who's the, who's your favorite CEO? Oh, Jack Welch. Well, let me tell you why he's not the best CEO. And I thought that was kind of funny. So I'm not that far in, but it seems really cool. And yeah, it is all about um, how these the best CEOs are all about how to allocate capital efficiently yeah. instead of only focusing on like the organizational structure, which is where most people spend their time. So that's what I'm reading. I think what's really interesting about that book too, aside from the fact that it was uh, Warren Buffett's, I think number one book of 2017 or something like that. Is that um, why you picked it or? No, I actually uh, didn't. I didn't know about that at all. It was oh. just. Um, what made the, you pick it then? I think the premise was really interesting. So it seemed to be the case where they weren't analyzing from uh, just like, oh, this company has the largest market cap. This is the third largest market cap. Here's why you need to listen. Instead, it was a much more quantitative approach because I like analyzing things, not what was the end result, but what did people do with the resources they have and that given set of constraints and everything like that. And what's really fascinating about a lot of these CEOs is that they are not well-known and it's perfectly okay. I think in today's culture, there's a lot of a drumbeat type thing where everybody wants to have a social presence and just do more and more and more. And that, that can be tempting. That can be effective in certain cases for your business. But what is a far more interesting approach in some some regards is, um, you know, being private, <laughs> having mm-hmm. some type of like private life. Which and is what so, all these CEOs, I think. Yeah, had, I like- especially admire people who are able to have certain portions of their life be kept very private and still achieve, you know, 
great things in the real world. So, so when I found this book, I'm still wondering, I think I've asked you this before and you just never give me a good answer. So I'm going to keep asking, <laughs> how do you find these books? Because I mean, for me, you know, you saw I went and ordered some books on Amazon, but I'm like probably a typical Amazon user where I go to the charts and I'm looking around and I'm like, right. I see the reviews. And for you, I'm like, right, this you book was not do, in the charts. I'm just going to do bullets and just, just list these off. Okay. Amazon also bots. That's a really, really powerful tool. Okay. Random browsing. So just go, go to Amazon books, just click around, follow what you're interested in, follow the covers that are exciting, start to follow the authors. So Amazon will send you automated emails based on whoever you're following. So if an author has a new book, if there is an updated copy of something, the more authors you follow, the more emails you're going to get recommended to you. Another great way is to let yourself be advertised and marketed to. So I always click through just about on audibles, daily deal, uh, things that are recommended like that. Uh, I'm too Um, stingy with that. I need to start doing that. I'm I'm always like, I'm not clicking on you. So the rate at which I was finding new and great books drastically spread up when I stopped caring about prices of how much I was spending on books, on audiobooks oh, and things that. like that. I know looking at the credit card statements. Definitely. <laughs> and these are the direct influence and direct reason why the, like, the business and like so many different things are starting to uh, just, I mean, let's be honest, blow up <laughs> in, a, in a great, great way. And that's really exciting, but is a direct result of investing heavily into information. And another great place to, to look is just in the uh, index of every single book that you read. So you can't mm-hmm. really go through a book, a nonfiction book, and hear an author not recommend any books or not have any sources or anything like that. So whether one. it's just going to the acknowledgement section, but then not just stopping there, instantly getting onto Amazon and adding them to your wish list. A wish list is a great, great filter. So I pretend I buy things before I actually buy them. Books, information, anything really to basically just give myself some extra time to make that decision. So I basically pretend (laughs) that I buy something and that saves me from having to buy a bunch of other things. Uh, Then I just go back to my wish list. And so my wish list is basically like where I practice buying things. And I think that that is a uh, having some type of curation like that set up wherever you shop a lot is um, a a great way to do it. So it could just be uh, going to browse the bookstore too. So when I go to browse the bookstore, I snap covers, pictures, excuse me, of covers from every single interesting book, every single interesting category. And I I really try to make it a a random walk. But then when something piques my interest to snap the cover, check the price, see if it's cheaper on Amazon or buy at the bookstore, or if, you know, the bookstore owner was especially nice or whatever, I'll, you know, want to support them. So I'll buy it there. That makes so. sense. Yeah. I mean, I personally prefer my method of you just curating it for me and me just coming out to my little <laughs> library and picking, which I think might be great for a lot of our readers. Let's just take a picture of some of the books that you have and then post it so they can like see how it looks. But I mean, that's, those are some good tips too. Yeah. And we'll, we'll start to share more there. And I think um, our, as we start to experiment with some of the books that are a bit out there, so <laughs> not all of these are in the, uh, you know, they're not all New York Times bestsellers. Let's just yeah put it that way. So as we start to share more of the uh, more esoteric books and things like that, it seems like so far anyways, people are very interested in that. So yeah. we'll experiment with that because the section of our newsletter where we do showcase some of those books uh, is just called the best where like the best of what we're reading, doing, watching, listening, things like that. Uh, we'll keep putting those there. So if you're not subscribed, check it out at themission.co slash subscribe. 
and you can get all the updates there. Yeah. And did you want to cover what you're reading right now? Because I just kind of stole the show with my book. (laughs) (laughs) You did. So the three books that I am checking out right now, well, there's more than that. Are you trying to show me up? Oh, the three books I'm reading. No. No, go yeah, ahead. I, I, um, I'm not. I'm not trying to show you. You, you asked me, so. <laughs> All right, come the on. The three books. Um, subscribe by uh, Tensu. I hope I'm getting his name right. He's the CEO of a publicly traded company called Zora. They have a subscription management platform. It's a very interesting business, and he has a book called Subscribe, and it's about the subscription economy, SaaS products, businesses, how so many of the best businesses throughout history have relied on subscription models or are currently in the process of transitioning over to subscription models. And they, are, there are a number of ancillary benefits that your business uh, can derive from having a subscription type service. Um, mm. So at least having one type of product or service or bundle of products and services that people can subscribe to, it just creates a, uh, it basically like, so there's like the principal agent problem in business. That's something that many people might be familiar with. I'm not. What is it? Uh, Generally, there's going to be a conflict between management and the workers. And a subscription model appears to be something that can uh, reduce tensions from uh, hierarchies and reduce tensions from bureaucratic systems, basically. So subscriptions appear to facilitate a more meritocratic work environment. And that's that's a great way to sum up almost like yeah, the whole book so far, but it's very, okay. very interesting. I'm enjoying that a lot. We're actually interviewing uh, ten here coming up. The C- the CEO, oh, are Zora. We? yeah. Will that be on the mission daily, or is that for a different I think podcast? We'll, yeah, I think we'll include it as a bonus episode Sweet. here. And so that's one of the books I'm reading, and then I'm revisiting Anti Fragile by Nassim Taleb. Yeah, that's in preparation for uh, a book club coming up. That I'm yeah, I'm very excited to go and discuss seems ideas everyone should join our book club it's awesome we have so much fun doing it live so this even when we mess up on that's, camera it's great that's our book club yes um and oh is this next a different book, book club yeah, yeah. so oh. this is this is a different book book club but so many book clubs i'm getting them confused <laughs> well I, yeah i told you i'm trying to be yeah more proactive and do, okay. do more there it's, it's been on my fridge list for a while and then our book club i'm uh revisiting the war of art by Stephen oh Pressfield. that's yeah that's the book of the month okay war of art yeah, and that is coming up on this Thursday. So I think 3 p.m. Pacific, uh, yeah, 6 p.m. Eastern time. Yeah, that just is... go check out our Facebook page and you can get all the details and you don't have much time, so you better hurry up and read the book if you want to join in on our fun. Yes, and I just realized people are going to be listening to this on Friday, so I'm sorry. You just missed it. Uh... Or maybe you were there. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully you're there. But uh, yeah, check it out. It's a Facebook group right now and you can get all the updates uh, including calendar invites as well in our newsletter. So the next time we're talking about a book, you'll see it first there. And we're trying to do one book every two weeks. Right now it's been like one book every three weeks, but we'll continue to get better at that. And yeah, we not only do we talk about the book, but we go into, it's basically like a search with anybody who tunes in to find real strategies that people can uh, implement right away for their own life. So how do we make the examples as personal as possible? And whatever people are comfortable in sharing or bringing forward in, in the group, we want to like address those problems. I, I just like, I love the idea of, you know, if you're there, if you're brave enough to speak up and, you know, include something in the discussion, great. Let's, let's help you it. out. Let's solve that uh, challenge with the tactics and with some of the ideas from the book. And so yeah. for anybody out there, that's a create, you know, creative person, which is potentially, you know, all, all humans, we're all very, very creative and it's, uh, making art is what we do. It's what we, that separates us from machines. And the war of art is just a, an essential read to revisit from time to time 
when you're you feel like you're at a creative impasse or block or anytime you need to win a psychological battle with yourself the war of art is a great uh treasure trove of information to do that i need to hurry up and finish that is that your third book that you're reading or is that a fourth book <laughs> no that's the third okay. yeah, so su- subscribed the war of art and anti-fragile i'm yeah revisiting those last two cool all right should we move on to writing writing yes so writing exercises are really really interesting because outside of school it's rare that we get a chance to make some time to do a writing exercise and one of my favorites that i'm gonna kick off again here soon is i like to write letters to people so if i'm friends with someone you know back in the day people used to write long handwritten letters and they used to discuss things with each other it, not not an email but actual like physical physical copies of letters and send them out am i so, getting a letter you get all i, I write letters <laughs> but i want it in the mailbox <laughs> Okay. If it's not there, it didn't happen. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we we can make that happen. Okay. And the the point with this is, you know, if you sit down with pen and paper away from a computer, the thoughts that you come up with and the things that you choose to talk about with a friend, a family member, somebody you haven't seen in a while might be very different from the things that you would choose to write or include in email. And it's not going to be apparent instantly, but I think it's something that if you experiment with sending out emails and then sitting down away from technology on a Sunday when you're having a digital detox day or whatever the case is and writing a, it doesn't have to be a long letter, but just a simple one page letter, you know, 300 words, whatever the case is. And I think that's a great way to get to know people um, more deeply. So I've yeah started to write in that vein uh, a lot more. Yeah. And, and you definitely connect with people a lot more when so. you see like their handwriting and it just feels a lot more personal than if you get an email and they say the exact same words, you're like, nah. That was okay versus, wow, that person put a lot of effort into, you know, sending this to me or thinking it through and putting it down on paper. So I think so too. So that's what I'm doing for uh, writing right now. And then should we just jump to speaking? Yeah, let's jump in. All right, speaking. So this is something I think a lot of people have a hard time with, me especially. And the only thing that's ever helped me is always thinking fake it till you make it. So do you have any other strategies about how to speak in public and how to get good at it and why it's important? That was a lot at once. <laughs> no, anything that you can do to remove your fear from speaking is uh, really important. So how might you go about doing that? The whole public speaking fear and getting better at public speaking is something that is tough to do alone. It's, I would say it's, it's almost impossible. Like, so for the obvious reasons, you can't talk to a group without a group <laughs> being there. And it's something where if you have any chances to speak in a, a setting or situation that is just uh, completely outside of your comfort zone, to really jump on them and, and seek them out. And so proactively go to whether it's uh, Toastmasters or something like that. So for instance, Toastmasters is a great example. This isn't to knock the group or anything, but uh, back when we lived in DC, I went to a Toastmasters group in outside of Potomac. Mm-hmm. And within a couple minutes, I realized this was not a place where I was going to learn how to speak better in Why? public. The uh, people are going to think this is mean. Uh, the, the people that were there. So there wasn't anyone in the group that was uh, inspiring to me to become a better public speaker. And I, uh, of course, as I'm thinking these things, I'm also balancing out in my head with like, okay, I don't want to be judgmental. I don't want to be mean. But the my intuition was I'm not going to become better at speaking here. So I, I, I went through mean, their though. activities and everything. Yeah. It was, I mean, it was pretty, it was pretty objective. I, you know, none of those people, I, I did the, my diligence, like none of them had 
spoke anywhere that I considered to be like of note or anything like that. And, and are you, was it like the people who were there maybe training who, or the people who are trying to learn or all of them? Everyone. Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah, everyone. now you know, but don't go to that Toastmasters. <laughs> but, that, but that's not the point here is that action spurred me and it got me so frustrated because I'm like, okay, that was potentially an entire evening that I invested heavily. So I showed up, I had done a bunch of research, a bunch, I had taken a bunch of notes and I was, <clears throat> excuse me, very proactive during my time there to meet people, talk with people, get up, do the speaking exercises, be very communicative with other people who were speaking, looking for feedback and everything like that. I, I just realized, okay, it's not going to be possible to improve here, but it spurred me to go out and find the next place, the next venue. So there are so many different podcasts right now that you can interview on, that you can be interviewed on. There are so many smaller events. So whatever your industry is that you work in, there are probably local meetups that are dying for speakers. Whatever uh, thing that you want to learn more about, that you're passionate about, that you have a hobby about, there is probably someplace right now, there's a YouTube show, there's a live show, there is, there's somebody out there that is just as passionate about that hobby as you are, and you can practice speaking with them. So starting where you're interested, removing that fear, and then just taking some action to put yourself out there even if the group isn't perfect, even if that solution isn't perfect, I think that's a really great way to get started. Yeah, love it. Agree. One thing I also think was really helpful with speaking um, that I actually did at Google. So Google has these courses for almost anything when you're on campus and working there. And uh, one of these like public speaking courses I took, they made you record yourself speaking three times and then see how you looked while doing it. And you also had to do it in front of people. So not only is it like awkward that you're speaking in front of people about something that they might not care about, but then you're also getting recorded and then you have to watch it back with other people. But I think that was probably one of the best things, um, even if I was by myself recording myself without anyone else around, it was really helpful just seeing like how I moved or how I said things or when I maybe didn't seem as confident and just being able to learn from like watching myself was probably one of the best things that I've done to any bit improve um, speaking. I'm still working on it though. That's a great idea. And I guess that is one example where you can do it yourself. It's going to be much harder to do without a group and without a formal setting, but it's something that nothing's stopping you from setting up your phone and practicing seeing how you stand, how you speak, what you sound like, and just getting over the initial uh, cringe. Maybe not everyone's like me, but of course, you know, I cringe when I hear my voice and cringe when I see myself speak sometimes. I think that's uh, just par for the course for just about everyone. Yep, So I agree. All right, so those are the there three habits. Yes. Reading, writing, speaking, jump on it. See you next time. See ya. Hey listeners, thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps spread the word and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time.